how do you architect your day? Do you work in the morning? Do you work at night? Do you take a five hour break in the middle of the day and break up your day to 18 hours? Like whatever it is, you have to be radiantly clear on how you work the best because we're giving you that trust to architect, not only your lifestyle, but your work day. So go off and do however you do it, but you have to be really, really connected with how you are the most productive because it's not the same for everybody and we are not going to tell you when and where to work. Welcome to Chat with Nomads, where we uncover travel insights, business advice, adventure stories, and lifestyle tips with world travelers and digital nomads. Here is your host, Rax, from nomadsunveiled.com. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Chat with Nomads. Today, we have with us Julio Monzon, the president of Monetize More. Hi, Julio. Welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Hi. Thanks for having me, Rax. Yeah, thanks for taking time out to come on. Very excited to talk to you because today I think we are going to touch into some very practical information that I've seen a lot of people ask, especially on Facebook groups and stuff. So as I understand, Monetize More is a company that is fully remote and it started remotely. You as the CEO or the president is like, you are a digital nomad basically, right? So you're traveling, you're working, and then your team of like 100 plus people are all over the world and they are all remote. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So I'm the president and COO, and it's uh, yeah. We have almost two hundred and almost two hundred and twenty people now. Uh, everybody remote, uh, for sure. Um, and you know, some people just are stay-at-home moms, but some people like me uh, very much take advantage of being able to go anywhere. Awesome, awesome. So today, I actually want to, I want to dive straight in because I'm hoping that I will have some time to talk about you and your travels. But I want to bring out the information and your expertise first on your opinion of our remote work, right? So I want to firstly talk about tips on like people who want to work remotely and they're looking for these jobs. How, how, how do you guys hire and how should, what can they do to basically, you know, increase their chances of getting hired? And then I want to hear from you also, like how do you manage a remote company that is like 200 plus staff? Because that's huge, right? Um, so I want to start on the first one first, because... In the last, I'll say one and a half years, when the pandemic started, there is this so-called great retirement or no, or great resign resignation movement, right? Especially in the states, you are like, oh, it's not remote, okay, bye. And <laughs> they try and find a job that's remote, and then you go into the digital nomad groups or you go into the remote work Facebook groups, a whole bunch of people are like, where do I actually find this kind of work? And then like, I apply, I can't get it, or I can't find it, or the pay is shit, you know. So as a company that is hiring remotely. What do you guys look out for and what are some ways, you know, for people to, to impress you so that they can get hired? Yeah, so um, the way people can stand out, because just like any company of our level, we get tons of applicants for every position. And to be honest with you, sometimes most of them are just people who are applying and who aren't very, who we wouldn't hire. Um, what we're looking for are people who understand um, how they work the best themselves. Like how, like part of our cultural interview process is asking questions that are related to how you can really work the best. How do you architect your day? Do you work in the morning? Do you work at night? Do you take a five hour break in the middle of the day and break up your day into 18 hours? Like whatever it is you have to be radiantly clear on how you work the best because we're giving you that trust to architect not only your lifestyle, but your work day. So go off and do however you do it, but you have to be 
really, really connected with how you are the most productive because it's not the same for everybody. And we are not going to tell you when, when and where to work. So you got to know that. Um, so that's, <clears throat> that's something that you have to know. So once you know that, um, how to stand out in an application and, and things like that, you know, um, if you include, so some of our positions, we do have to include a, a video for certain like sales positions and marketing positions. Can, um, I, can I interrupt you for a bit? I think, sure. I think maybe we should first hear about, give us a brief overview of Monetize More so you know the listeners sure. know what kind of company you guys kind of are and they can put your advice into the context as well. Yeah, so it's funny because uh, um, I think we're the only remote company in our industry. Um, we're at the company industry is called ad tech. Uh, it kind of is in the ad tech slash marketing tech category, advertising tech. The simplest way I can explain it is if you go online on your phone or on your laptop and you read literally anything online and, you know, sports, blogs, news, articles, anything, and you're scrolling and you see a little rectangle ad for, I don't know, American airlines or a square ad on the side for like Walmart or whatever not pop-ups. I get that a lot, not pop-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for that ad to show up for you who's browsing is very, very complicated. A complicated auction has happened in a split second. Our company handles the technology behind that auction. We're ad tech, ad for the advertising because it's advertising, but tech because the efficiency of that auction is actually what uh, what matters. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's very much a uh platform play right is you guys have tech i definitely have marketing to basically sell the service and i see that you guys have a blog as well so i'm assuming you guys also have writers that actually do the writing and stuff like that yeah yeah absolutely okay awesome Um, and then going back to just now you were saying uh some of the some of the position you guys require actually a video submission for applying the position yeah so really stand out in those first of all make those short um, I'm not here to look at hours of videos. Um, neither is our HR team, neither is the hiring manager, no matter what department. Uh, and this is for every department uh, from um, HR to finance to like any, any boring department, quote unquote, that you would have in a company, we have because it's necessary. Uh, if you make a video, you stand out, you show your personality in it, into it, um, you show your communication in the video, you're confident in any position, it's gonna go, it's going to go a long way. For sure. It's going to make us pay attention at least, which is the point, and then look at your application closely, which is sort of step two. I'm curious. So so you're saying video is actually not a requirement for you guys for all positions, but you're saying if anyone submits a video in addition to the application, it usually kind of like puts up a light bulb for you guys because you're like, hey, this guy actually take the effort to go and make a video and stuff. Absolutely. Because if you think about it, nobody defaults to video. Everybody's mm-hmm. scared of it. Right, everybody's like, oh, I don't want to do that. Oh, this is, some people probably just look at applications and they're like, oh, I don't want to apply for this because it requires a video. Great, don't apply. You're not wasting our time. So if you're proactive, which we love at Monetize More, if you're proactive with doing this, it speaks volumes. Awesome. And so you are speaking a lot on the site of, uh, and I think this is very relevant because we're not just talking about a specific position or skill set, right? You're talking about a general application of any position you are really, from what I hear from you and the, your company culture, because I know about a bit about Monetize More, uh, is that it's very people-driven. Like You guys are really looking at the personality behind the, the, the person. And 
And I think we, I would want to touch a bit about this later when we talk about management because I think in regular hiring, we always say that, yeah, you want the attitude, right? And then after that, you can teach the skills. Even if they don't have the skills, the attitude is important. Um, but of course, when doing remotely, it might be a bit difficult, right? So that would be something to look into uh, talking about as, as well. Yeah, and um, it's hard to blanket statement that, but for sure. Um, the, we don't care um, if, you're, if you've been a developer at Google or Facebook, and we don't care if you're the best salesperson in the world. The first sort of filter or layer that we go through before hiring anybody in any position is what we call a cultural interview. So our HR only talks to you about some of the stuff that I've already mentioned and a little bit deeper stuff about culture, who you are, personality, um, those things like that. And then only then is the second interview about skills and, and things like that. Ah, got it, got it. And how many, how many levels of interviews do you guys typically have for a position? It depends per department, but roughly anywhere between um for the entry level probably like two for the more senior level up to four so in between two to four right right if, it, if it's if it's executive level or vp level senior vp level it could be five just to get to know you better oh yeah that's interesting because all your even your new vps and stuff are all remote so basically are there vps or senior level that you have never met face to face and always just through <laughs> Zoom or stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, um, <laughs> because of the pandemic, so normally we have one big massive reunion every year, and we haven't been able to in the last right. two years. Be so normally, yes, it, I do go a while without meeting someone, but it's normally not more than a year. And unfortunately, because of the last couple of years, it has been longer. So yeah, you're right. Wow! Wow! And I'm curious because your background before you started Monetize More, you actually work in a corporate world where work is physical, right? It's not remote. So based on the comparison between what you had previously and now that you're hiring, what do you think is the main difference between the application process and like, you know, when someone wants to apply, how should they see that remote work differently compared to applying for a physical regular job? There's a difference that I saw between interviewing in the corporate world versus well i can only speak for our company our yep. world is that our, i'd like to think and i'd love feedback from anybody but I, i'd like to think that our interview process makes sense <laughs> uh, so we want to see your personality cultural interview first then we then we talk about your skills then we give you a sort of a test project to see how you would work with us uh it's paid uh, we pay for that, uh, your time, uh, and and all of that makes sense to me. We, you're paid for your time. We try you out before we even do that. We talk about how we would be a culture fit for you because as you grow, culture gets tougher to maintain, and culture is something we've built over the last decade, so we're very very protective of it. All of that makes sense in the corporate world. It was just like probably going through the motions of where someone's interviewing you because they've been told that this is the next step and the next step and the next step. Whereas I'd like to think so here that everybody is on board with why we're having a cultural interview, why next we have a skill interview, why next we have a test project and why we're paying that person for their time and why we hire that person. Everybody on all levels is sort of aware of it, which again speaks to our culture and the way we want people to understand we do things, not just doing them blindly uh, because someone told you to. Right. And, and do you think 
would someone that has no experience in remote work at all kind of get marked down, let's just call it that way, in the sense that I think there is also, I mean, I mean, we want to say that everyone's adaptable, right? But truth be told, there are challenges in remote work, the discipline aspects and some some and all the different kind of stuff, especially if you're a nomad that's also trying to travel around the world, which I would say a good amount of people who are trying to get remote work, work that's kind of their plan, right? Because that is one of the biggest advantage of doing remote work, right? So we as nomads, we know that getting into this workflow is not easy, right? Like it takes certain level of discipline and sometimes you need to figure out like, oh, the infrastructure, you go to Airbnb, oh shit, the Wi-Fi is shitty and I have a call, what do I do? You know, and and as time passed by and you you face more of these challenges, you get better at it. At it. So which also means that anyone who is just starting are bound to face some of these problems. So on your end, when you look at it as an employer, how, how do you see it? Like, is that a big concern or no? It's definitely a concern when we interview people, for sure. Um, and again, going back to your previous question on like how you can stand out, if, if you can deliver, because you're completely right, um, you can be in the middle. We don't care if you work on the beach. We don't care. But the beach better have good Wi-Fi if you're having calls. You know, there's no, there's no excuses. At the end of the day, we're a business and we're trusting you to architect your ideal work life and work life blend essentially. So, um, which means we don't care where you go and where you live and who you hang out with and 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 all that. But of course, if there's a meeting and you're in um, Asia and it's three in the morning and there's a meeting, there's a really important client meeting. You better suck it up and do it. Uh, it's happened to me. I, I speak from experience. I lead by example. I've done it before. I've done podcasts. I've done webinars at 4 a.m. in the middle of a Muay Thai camp in Thailand. I've, I've done, um, you know, <laughs> I've, I've, I've done Asian level uh, work, Asian time work in, you know, uh, North America. So if you can come across as like someone who doesn't make excuses, who just wants to live this lifestyle and appreciates like that the company is trusting me to do, to be wherever, but you know, you have to kind of give back the fact that you have to give, you have to give back productive work. Then, then that's, that's the kind of attitude we want. Um, but it is difficult for sure. Um, internet can go out. You got to pick a place. You got to be able to be agile. You got to be able to figure out something quickly. If you need to be on something, not make excuses. Definitely. Cool, cool. So what if the guy during the interview calls you and he's on the beach sipping on Mai Tai and they're like half naked and they're just doing an interview with you? <laughs> Would that be a pro or a con? They'll be like, you know, I can do it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely not a con um, at all. As long as, long as, as the interview goes well, like uh, it's, it's fine. Um, it, yeah, it's com- it's completely fine. It, it's not it's not like I'm expecting. I mean, obviously, I'm expecting, you know, someone f- for me to be able to communicate with you for you to be, have prepared very well. But if you're on a beach, um, no shirt on, it's like I'm, it's hot right now. I'm a nomad, but I, I'm really interested in this position. And fine, then that's that's totally fine. It's not a it's not a con. Yeah, maybe you should have put a shirt on. I guess, but like, <laughs> other than that, like it's it's really not a big deal. It's more about culture fit and and if you're if you're a nomad and understand yourself very well and have remote have 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 proven yourself to be productive while traveling it's actually a pro very big pro yeah that's true that's true so 
so I'm curious, right? I'm not sure if the interview process is the same as, but one, one question, or when people prepare for corporate interviews, they always talk about what is the question that the interviewers will ask, right? So for you guys, uh, or as an advice, what are the questions do you think for remote positions specifically that, you know, like applicants should be prepared to answer? You prepared to answer. Um, I'll, I'll cover what they should be ready for versus specific mm. questions because oh, it'll be cover awesome. it'll cover more ground. Um, be prepared to answer about how you're productive, how like what when you're most productive, morning, night, both, break in between, where you like to work, home, co-working, coffee shops. Um, uh, be prepared to just be to, to really articulate and describe how you are the most productive and what incentivizes you to be that productive. Uh, we have some people here that also live this lifestyle, obviously, and um, they just really love being able to go anywhere. That freedom just drives them to just to just give us the, the best work possible because they don't ever want to go back to an office and, and sort of thing. So be aware of what motivates you very clearly articulate that be aware of how you self um, how you how you are productive yourself and when and where okay that's that's quite specific on like really a lot more on self awareness and and understanding that so i reckon people that have not worked remotely before or if they plan to travel and work remotely is good to like give it a shot get a feel of it and then figure out yourself on like what exactly is your best schedule and be able to articulate that. I reckon, I reckon based on what you say, it's also kind of good to be like, even though you, if you don't have a lot of experience working remotely, try to articulate things that you have tried to do to model this work lifestyle and then be able to tell the interviewer that, hey, yeah, I might not have gone all around the world doing this, but then I've tried it during this period and I be believe that this is actually a good system for me because I'm productive maybe at like freaking 1 a.m. to 6 a.m. That's my most productive yeah. period. So that's like the most awesome thing for me. And that actually gives you as a hirer or employer more confidence that, hey, I can give this guy a shot. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it. You nailed it for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Awesome. So there are some awesome tips here for people who are trying to find the remote work positions and how do you apply so question right and i think this is a very debatable topic around the world and i just want to get an opinion on it there's this thing talking about like companies cutting salaries of workers going remote right for you guys start you guys started fully remote anyway right am i right to say that it was never a transition it was always fully remote That's do you guys see salary payment differently or like you know it's it just it's just like a normal payment. Whether is it remote has no kind of concern for you guys if the person is working wherever. The value has to be there. Um, the, the value has to be there. If the value is there, it's easy to for us to be like, yeah, we'll pay you that because you're valuable and you've you've articulated everything that we've been talking about. And uh, for the specific position, your your skill is great and the culture fit is there. So, um, yeah, we we don't. Um, pigeonholed ourselves to opportunity to hire exceptional A player talent, which is essentially what we want. Gotcha, gotcha. Cool. Let's move on to the next step about like a person gets hired, right? And I'm sure I believe with 200 plus employees, you must have had experiences of the guy coming on board 
and then just realize that remote work is not exactly what like he just cannot handle it because he needs that office environment or she needs the colleagues around and it's like that's it's just hard to get discipline which is a very common issue to be honest among all remote workers right and it takes a certain level of discipline and scheduling your own time to be able to juggle both right so are there employees that have gone into your company and then really realize that you know this is not working out because of the remote nature of the work um i'm really trying to think here I, i'm but i'm, I'm i want to be honest with you uh no Ooh, and that's, that's good. The reason yeah. for that, and don't get me wrong, there's always opportunity for improvement. So for sure, there's people who have come in, had more of a reality check of like, okay, this is what remote take remote work takes. This is how responsive I have to be, reliable, and you know, a self starter, enterprising, and made that better than what it was when they started, for sure. But to say that someone came in, realized remote work was not for them, and just straight up left. No. And the reason for that is because of the cultural interview that I talked about earlier. We don't, it's a big waste of our time and an even bigger waste of time for the candidate if we don't identify that very, very early, very early. And so that's part of the reason we have the cultural interview first. Um, So again, people have come in and been like, whoa, and improved for sure, because it's real we're a real company with real goals and like uh, targets and stuff like that. But to say that someone came in and just left because, Oh no, remote's not for me. No. And I really thinking hard here, like over the last over a decade, has that happened? Um, we have people have come and left um, quickly just because of emergencies or it wasn't necessarily the right fit, but to pinpoint that reason of like, Oh, remote work is not for me. No. Hmm. Okay. That's actually a, I mean, that's a good thing. I mean, it's best not to have people just leaving like that anyway. Uh, before we dive into the management part, because I think like just, even based on what you have just said, I know you have a lot of nuggets on that part of things and that is a, a, a rare expertise to find, right? I'm just curious myself on like, was there are different kinds of remote workers in some sense, right? I think, I think as a lot of nomads, remote work works because we we see work as life kind of emerges together. But I believe not all remote workers have that drive for remote work. It's not all about that mixture of like, I want to travel and stuff. Some just want the flexibility of time, which means that maybe like I say, they, they still want to work straight eight hours, but they, don't, they just don't want to work that freaking office hour eight hours because maybe it's more convenient for them to take care of their kids or something like that, right? So it's not it's kind of not the same kind of freedom that you and I want, right? It's a very different uh, drive. How many, what kind of characteristics have you seen from like your people? Because when you talk about culture, I'm sure there is at least a line that everyone shares, right? Even though that there's variations to it. Yeah. So again, just like it's a very, it's a very individual thing. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, one one big thing I've I've learned from from this explosive growth is that there's there's the bigger you get the less it makes sense going back to things making sense the less it makes sense for us to blanket uh, have a, have blanket some um, sort of requirements for for people so just like you can work anywhere and anytime 
uh, going back to you were asking um, what you were asking, it's, it's very individual. So if your motivation is to stay at home with your kids and raise them while thriving, legit thriving in a career in, in ad tech and technology, then you can do that. It's, it's a lot about motivation. If your motivation is to have freedom and take time off to go on a meditation retreat in anywhere and but really doing your work and being reliable at any point in time wherever then your motivation is that and it, it's a beautiful thing that happens because those are very two different life things you're, you're in very different stages very different goals but um all those people coming together and creating the culture that we we have we want within the company is is, is amazing so that's what we found it's a very individual thing it's about motivation and and, and that sort of thing. Gotcha. And, and touching on that, going down to something more statistical, right? Uh, do you guys have a fixed number of working hours or number of leave days or those are all totally non-existent and you're really basing everything off deliverables and the value that they bring? Yeah, so we don't have working hours. Um, the best we have is, you know, sometimes your leads or a manager or VP will have to have, like, there is a sort of a requirement of, like, I'll have, like, a VP will have to have two hours crossover with other people every day just to make sure. So if, like, that VP works, like, seven to three and this person works from, like, one to nine, you know, one to three is when they have that two-hour crossover. And that's just okay. a requirement just, like, just in case anything happens or I need you, blah, 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 something like that, right? So they figure that out themselves. So we don't have a requirement amount of hours, no. And the number of leave days or as, as well? <laughs> yeah, so, so leave days is uh, mostly for people who... So we do track hours for certain team members, uh, but we have various ways of getting rid of that. And so if we're not tracking... If we're not using a tool to track the hours that you're putting in, or you just start... And some positions also start without us having tracking some more senior positions... You, you essentially have unlimited vacation, um, mm. which takes care of, which gives the powers back to the leads. Because again, 200 people, I can't make all the decisions. It gives the powers back to the leads of like for, for maternity leave, for vacation, for sick leaves. Essentially, we're not tracking your, your time anymore. So you have unlimited vacation, which covers all of the sorts of leave a normal company would have. And mm. that's sort of a simple way that we've put it and we've given the power back to the, the VPs and the managers to kind of just deal with that and be like, well, this person just had a baby. Yeah. They can get off for, for a while or this person just needs a break or this person's sick. No problem. You don't have to keep track of everything. Um, and we've, we've found that's worked very, very well, but again, it can only work well in an environment where uh, you trust your people and they, they trust you back to do, to do the best work. Yeah. Th that's very interesting because like, uh, I'm sure some people listening to this will be like, what the shit, someone is going to take advantage of this and just be like slacking behind and not doing anything, right? But but I think you have reiterated quite a few times um, throughout the conversation, which I also agree, is that it's very important to find out the motivation or what drives a certain person because that is actually the key, even not in a remote environment, right? Even an actual like physical company, understanding what actually drives a, a worker's motivation or employees or colleagues motivation is, is like super important because 
if once you know that, then as a leader or as a CEO, as a CEO, you can start to align the goals of an individual together with the company such that you know everyone goes towards a common goal. And that would actually that would actually make things go really well and, and snuff out all this nitty-gritty stuff that that you know that are like not really significant in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, man, and, and we're focused on growth here, right? Like we don't want to spend meetings trying to talk about how much vacation we should give people. That sounds like the biggest waste. Oh god. I just got sick sick of thinking of sick thinking about it. Um, You got to trust your people. You got to give power to the leads. Um, To your earlier point, if someone's for some reason not producing and they're asking for a vacation, the lead is just going to tell them like, look, man, do you think you deserve this? Like just leveling with them. Right. Um, uh, But yeah, we, we fit, we find giving that power to the leads for people who have basically unlimited vacation is something that's pretty powerful. It covers everything uh, for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's nice. Um, let's talk a bit more about culture and management of the company because this is this is of course a not so easy to handle issue, especially when you yourself are traveling. But going back to the start, Monetize More started like eight to ten years ago, right? Monetize More started in twenty ten, so twelve years ago. Oh, twelve years ago, and you guys started fully remote. And back then, of course, fully remote is not the trend, not the thing. No one's really thought about it. So what made you decide to do it remotely even at the start? It's really simple, Rax. Uh, we just never wanted to work in an office. You just what? We, we just never wanted to work in an office. Oh. We The motivation was that. It wasn't at the t- Now we're huge ad tech nerds. We love the industry. We know everything about it. And we're the best, to be honest. But back then we didn't say oh i love ad tech let me do that and oh let's make the company remote it wasn't like that it was how can i never work in an office ever again and so we said okay websites what do websites need they need seo sem affiliate marketing oh ads ads that's how the internet is run let's learn as much as we can about ads uh, selling ads, not buying ads, not Google, not buying Google ads, selling ads for companies. So then we we started doing that, got our first client, and we're like, there's no reason to make an office where we're focused. We can do this, um, which you know it, it was has worked out great for us. So that was the motivation uh, from the beginning. And at the start, how many of you? Were, uh, how many of them were you? Pardon. How, uh, how many people do you guys start with at the, as the founding team? Oh, just so um, there was our CEO. Um, he founded the company. It was just him for a while, actually, for a few years, and then started hiring a couple of, uh, you know, sort of virtual assistants and then partnering. And then I came in. Um, we started really growing it. So, I, I mean, just like any company, it was like one person and then a few people and we kind of partnered a little bit later and, and that sort of thing so um i've been in it since 2013 like mid 2013 gotcha. and uh yeah so so it started growing really accelerated growth after 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 that point um and it's it's been in, it's been awesome in the last few years too and do you guys use a lot of contractors or mainly full-time employee employees because i'm pretty sure or even within like the trend I'm seeing now, contractors are obviously like, or freelancers are 
a safer way or easier way, in my own opinion, to start. And you can always try and convert basically your contractor or freelancer to uh, a full-time employee if he or she wants, right? And the, the whole idea is that then there is a trial period and that trial period is not, there's less commitment from both parties in the sense that they don't have to commit to like a certain have to work uh, kind of workload and then you don't have to commit to a certain like payment level or anything and it's a period of trying and of course as you realize the fit is there more work starts going to the freelancer or contractor and then you decide like hey maybe this is a good person to convert into a full-time employee yeah we're a canadian company so our everybody in canada is an employee um that's how we do it but everybody outside of canada that we hire when we hire worldwide is a contractor mm. um, again um going back to growth uh, as a company and we're focused on growth um not what should we do with should we establish an entity in this foreign country and use that red tape to do it so we can make people employees screw all that man growth <laughs> yeah and then but that's on paper right like they're mm. like we treat everybody is all the same sort of empty family it doesn't matter if you're an employee or a contractor you're you're in completely mm-hmm. and what percentage of your workers are like or of your team are like canadians versus everybody else um we, we're pretty global um canadians would probably be a low percentage um um, I would say less than, definitely less than five percent Canadians. All, all over the world after that. And and in that case, I'm just curious, how do you maintain a company culture? Because obviously, it's uh, one of the most debated topics these days uh, about remote work or even hybrid. Right. The problem is that there is no. If people firstly don't have that physical connection, secondly that they are in different time zones, then it's harder to build a connection, right? What are the ways you guys, you know, practice to make sure that you keep a consistent culture that goes across a, a team of 200 plus people? Yeah, so culture is something you build over years and years and years. Um, so as we've built this culture, we've been very careful on who we add to the team because they'll add to the culture, right? Um, and it's, so it's just, it's been one at a time kind of thing um so that's one thing and then i guess um leading by example uh everything in our culture doc is led by example like from the very top from us executives so we live our uh, our culture and we expect everybody to do so and we talk about it in reviews um and so do so do the vps and then it kind of trickles down so it's a big trickle down effect with that Got it. Let's put this into more concrete visualization, right? Because when we start talking about culture, I'm assuming there are a few points or a few values that you guys value a lot. And that's what really brings down, right? So for the audience benefit to better understand the situation, what are the kind of values for you guys, your company that you think are like the core of the the team? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Enterprising. Um, I'll give you our top three. So enterprising. Uh, that just means you're an entrepreneur within the company. You know how to, you, you don't know the answer to everything, but you exhaust research beforehand. You're, you're an entrepreneur. You're, you're looking to, to build your team in any way possible within the company. So that's one. Um, 
Kaizen, which is a from Toyota. It's Kaizen is a Japanese term uh, that uh, describes anything that can be improved deserves to be improved. So it doesn't matter if you're day one here, there's a bunch of things to improve, or you're an executive, anything around you, anything with the company, yourself, your team, your management, your coaching style, everything can be improved and deserves to be improved. How are you constantly, constantly improving? And then reliability or being reliable. So it's kind of self-defined, but that includes things sort of like be very, very responsive. We're a remote company. We need you to be responsive. Um, do what you say you're going to do. Your word's the most valuable thing. And give. Some, and my favorite um, is that falls into the reliability category is proactive deadlines. So Rax, if you're my boss and you're telling me we're talking about some project we're going to do, I'm going to tell you, okay, Rax, great. Proactively, I'm going to say, Rax, I'm going to get that done before Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Time zone time. You don't even have to ask me or tell me when that is going to be done. Uh, I'm telling you when that's going to be done. So that's one of the products of deadlines that falls into reliability. So enterprising, Kaizen, reliability. Mm, okay. Yeah, so, sounds to me is basically a very proactive and self-driven person because you're basically constantly without being asked by people looking for the places to improve or where you can innovate and then even in terms of communication everyone is more proactive in communicating stuff and that's kind of what drive and that kind of makes sense because that's what probably supplements the the idea that there's no you know that everything is remote and there's no over communicating kind of even in this sense yeah absolutely now i would say that we do expect you to be proactive for sure mm -hmm. uh and self self-motivated um, and really know what motivates you. That's very important and know when you work the best. Gotcha. And for the, for the nomadic entrepreneurs out there, right? They want to scale this, right? Because one of the things you mentioned is that the way you guys spread the company culture is a trickle down effect from the top to different business units. And you have mentioned a few times that you also rely a lot on your head of every department to manage everything that is below, which is similar to any mid-sized or big-sized companies, right? But as a nomadic entrepreneur, how do you scale to that extent? Like, is, is it difficult to scale to the extent of building out business units um, that is almost similar to the structure of a corporate enterprise? Is it difficult? I mean, it's not, not easy. Not, nothing <laughs> worth doing ever is. Um, what are some I of guess, the problems you guys face along the way basically maybe that's interesting I wouldn't some of the challenges uh, because again we're so just to give a bit more context uh, we're completely bootstrapped we don't have a dime of investment uh, mm -hmm. on, very rare in our industry and very much unlike our competitors and uh, this is our all of our first business this is business number one I've never had anything else before this mm. <clears throat> you learn by doing uh, the culture helps a lot because when you fail, we celebrate successes, not necessarily failures, because if you're not failing, you're not really being bold enough. But I think some of the challenges we run into is, um, you know, should we build this department? How, how can this department over here be better now that we were experiencing this growth? Um, we had the classic uh, challenge of like, we have too much business coming in, where are we going to put them? Um, 
so there's a lot of like i would definitely say there's a lot as we grew there was a lot of like okay so i'm the coo i handle this i gotta coach people to do this but then oh we got this business coming in i'm gonna jump on that because i have to mm-hmm. Or else yeah. we don't have that business. So what I would suggest to nomad entrepreneurs who are kind of scaling is expect change and expect variability. It's not like this month I've taught everybody to do something. Next month uh, everybody knows how to do it perfectly and I don't ever have to do it. It doesn't work that way, right? Business can come in at any time unless you want to reject it, which you should never do. You're going to be like, up and then oh go back down up and then over here up and then over here and then eventually as you get your hands dirty you'll find out better things that you can improve to teach people who can do that to delegate that fully but it takes time it's not something that is delegated in a month in a quarter or even a half a year or a year so i would say expect the unexpected the only constant built business is uh is change Got it, got it. Yeah, that, that sounds very relevant. You basically like you could have a plan that this is going to be like this, but definitely as you go along, you need to trial and error and then you realize, hey, maybe this person is better at a certain thing. And even as you build, like deal with more clients yourself, you learn stuff that are like, this might be effective now to deploy with a team of this size. And then so you start tweaking stuff around. It's really more about like just jumping in and then dabbling and then across time, it will happen. <laughs> Basically, you will see the growth yeah. happening. Go I think try, agile. I think agile is the right word. Be be very agile, and don't be afraid to get your hands dirty, especially at the beginning. Sounds good. And and we were talking just now about back to very early ago. I was just saying this about like um training people, right? And just now you also mentioning that you know from the top when you bring or even if you want to set up a new business, you need you but you are you definitely have to train someone to lead the team and stuff like that. How do you train remotely? Like, are there any challenges in that? Uh, training, yeah. So, the way I I built the uh, sales team, for example, or the, or the revenue team, like we call it, um, was kind of by doing it. So I, I would I would I was the only one selling, and then someone I brought someone in to do it. Then in par- I had no document or bible to give him to say mm-hmm. like this is the sales bible just read it there was none of that so we in parallel of me teaching him i would document things or record things and eventually kind of evolved into something that was a little bit more structured so i say if you're truly trying to train people be very empathetic that some people will get it quickly some people won't and that some people will get some topics very very quickly and others people won't get other topics very quickly. um so it's it's very hard to just blanket statement, but I guess in summary, um, some of the challenges with training is um, finding the right way for, to deliver it, to deliver the training, because some people learn by reading. I don't like reading. I love videos. I love listening. So I'm empathetic that people are not like me sometimes and just like to read stuff. So ask those questions. Be very community-driven when you're building and you have a little small team, great. It's impossible for for you as the founder or the founding team member to come up with every single solution for absolutely everything. You don't have the right perception that other people have. So really take advantage of just smart people that you have around you on your team. Like, what do you think of this? How do you think you would learn better? How do you think we should teach the future 
if we hire five more people next year, how do you think we should do it? Have those conversations. Uh, the communications have got to be really on point. That's how you develop the right kind of training um, material and delivery. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if I understood you correctly, but then like, even though I understand the part of like customizing a certain teaching method to every person because they learn differently, right? That's true. But at a company of your size, especially, as in like even me, I'm looking to automate processes, which means that I don't want to repeat having to teach 10 people 10 times, right? Like you want to start documenting and ultimately build a playbook that can almost expedite the whole onboarding process as soon as possible. I understand that there's definitely a need to be like, maybe be available for Q&A and stuff like that. And that is where you can make, where the customization of teaching can happen. But I'm sure you you guys are also trying to build something that that can kind of expedite the whole onboarding and training process for each particular position or unit, right? Of course, absolutely. <clears throat> what, um, your previous question was sort of for the beginning entrepreneur, what you should do. That's what you should do for us, of course, like uh, 200 people. Yeah, you want to accelerate and explain that like it's you got leaders teaching mm-hmm. leaders, right? You got systems in place because but because but it all started with what I described just now. It gotcha, all started that gotcha. and evolved into this like incredible um, kind of training process and onboarding process and automating absolutely everything you possibly can at this level for sure. Those are two very different things, but you start out like that. So, so, so I think one tip to really take note of is that uh, for especially for the entrepreneurs that are starting out and trying to scale, right? It's really to think about. Yes, you do need to customize at the start, but as you go through that process yourself, try to document it because that, that resource that you actually put down on paper or on video or on audio is probably going to help you ultimately stack up that playbook that you can start creating into automated process that you can keep passing on and stacking it up and building something that is more concrete mm-hmm. uh, as you go along, right? Yeah. Um, and... And I want to touch a bit now on basically you, because obviously uh, managing a remote company is not that simple, right? And you are also traveling around, right? Tell us about your travel style. So, so how do you travel? What do you go for? Do you look for nature? Do you look for the weather? Do you look for events? What do you do? Um, I'm a sun chaser. I don't want to be cold ever. So <laughs> weather is a huge thing for me pers- personally. That's very personal. Um, probably a disgraced Canadian for saying that because it's so cold. <laughs> but I, I love Canada in my own way. That's for sure. <laughs> so, so you, uh, weather's, I reckon, weather's a big thing. So I reckon you're spending like a good amount of time in Asia because Asia obviously have a lot of sun. And then in the Mediterranean, are those your two like favorite regions? It depends. Um, I love Latin America too, which is on this side of the world. So mm-hmm. uh, their summer is like November to basically February. Gen- yeah, so, Gen- so, yeah, so when it's cold in North America, I'm almost never in North America. So when it's cold in North America, yeah, I go down there. And then, yeah, I make myself to Europe for the summer and then Asia at pretty much any time, basically. Um, yeah. and then I kind of make my way back and of course you know work and um, business opportunities are, are in between but when when I can choose which is most most of the time that's that's sort of what I do 
And do, how often do you have to travel for work? Whenever I choose to. Uh, in general, uh, I mean, it depends. I, I would say three, it's maybe three to five, three to five times a year. Uh, it's probably going to accelerate just because of our, our recent growth, to be honest, uh, meeting bigger clients and things like that. But other than that, probably three to five a year. Other than that, it's pretty much my, on me. Gotcha, gotcha. And how frequent do you move around versus having a base that you stick around? I like to stay at least bare minimum, bare minimum, six weeks in a place. So one and a half months. Normally, it's closer to three months. So mm-hmm. base myself in a place for a few months and then kind of travel around that area. But I have like a home base for that amount of time. Gotcha, gotcha. And what's what's... And this also tags on a bit to the company side, right? Like, what are other challenges that you guys actually or you have seen that you think is very specific only to remote companies? That, you know, like, if a company is trying to go remote, these are the challenges that they probably have to think about because it's not common of a physical, normal operating company. But once you go remote, these challenges are actually kind of popping up suddenly. So, sorry, so... Our challenges as a company who's been remote for over a decade is different than for a company who is not remote going remote. So which mm. which one? Those are let's two talk about, very different things. Actually, let's I talk about your that. company because obviously you guys having the experience probably, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we have a lot of things um, probably connecting. So with I'm each very, other? very much with each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with the team. So um, there is, no matter how, how well you cut it, we have like shout out programs, like kudos programs that we are very active in with Slack. We give uh, virtual retreats. Every once in a while we have in-person retreats. And so we try absolutely, we have a whole employee engagement department. So we try very much to engage. And I think we've done quite a good job because we wouldn't have experienced this growth if the culture wasn't there. The culture wouldn't have been there if we haven't been doing a good job connecting. But no matter how well you slice it, going back to Kaizen, everything that can be improved deserves to be improved. We could, that that's one, I guess, challenge. It's like, I would love to just kind of connect more with people. And as you, as in our team, and as you grow, you know, video chats and everything, that's cool, but you just can't beat in person. You just can't, you can't beat in person. Uh, and it's not to say we will ever go and be an, a central office anywhere. Um, but when we do meet in person, it's 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 never a, oh, thank God I get to talk to you in person now. It's more of a, wow, it's more of a bonus. It's like, wow, I get to meet you. I've been talking to you via, via computer for this whole time. But that's what I would say our challenges is I would say like, man, I would love to come up with more ways to connect more and make that possible. On that note, how you mentioned about the retreat that you guys try to do once every year, right? How many retreats do you guys need to do? Because if you just do one, it can't be everyone go to the same spot, right? That doesn't make sense, right? So do, do you guys do like maybe one in the American region, one in Europe, one in Asia? Or how, how do you guys do this? It's funny you mention that. Um, and if, our, if, if any of our team members are listening, I'm getting ahead of myself, but whatever. <laughs> um, <laughs> For in we pre-pandemic, we used to have one retreat in Asia and fly everybody there once a year. We did. But we also were not as big. We weren't 220 people, 
right? Three uh, years ago, how, we were not how, 220 how, people. How many were you guys then? Back then, um, this is this is so we're 2022, three years ago, 2019. Pretty big, still like a hundred and something, but so almost two times the team now. Basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what's your yeah. what's your grand plan now? <laughs> yeah. So perfect. Um, so this year, because uh, even though things are kind of started to opening up in certain countries, it's not about just getting people there. It's about getting people back and what they have to do in their own countries to quarantine or whatever. So it's a big logistical nightmare. So this year, what we're moving more towards is sort of uh, little mini retreats everywhere so we'll have one in south america we'll have one maybe in north america somewhere probably like mexico and we'll probably have one in europe and we'll probably have a, like a little bit of a bigger one in asia where the executives kind of go and maybe and join people from that close region together kind of thing it's funny you mentioned that because we just started talking about that for this year because we didn't know can we do a massive one probably not mm. can, or should we do kind of little mini ones but in the past, pre-pandemic, we used to do one big one every year, which was great. Gotcha. Yeah, but even as your team grows to be way bigger, I think it's difficult, even without a pandemic, to have one really, really big one, right? I think, the how was your attendance rate that time when you had a central one? Like Because I'm, I'm thinking like people from North America and they want to fly all the way to Asia, some of them probably don't want to do it, even if it's covered, right? They'll just be like so far, or like I have kids at home and stuff like that. Whereas if you do one that is in North America or something, and it's just a two three hours flight away, it's way easier for them to attend. No, everybody attended. Oh really? Yeah. Huh, interesting. You, you, you just need to give people. You need to be realistic. You give. You need. Yeah, you're flying from North America to Asia. You need to give people six months notice. We used to give people like six, seven, ah. eight months notice. Wow. Like, oh, next month we're doing a retreat. No. no, no. It's like people know the general air time back then, right. pre-pandemic, right. when we're going to do it, which was right in the fall. So in maybe April, we say, okay, this is the official date, prepare yourself. Gotcha, gotcha. You know what's funny? I half expected you just now to say that this year we are planning to have a gathering in the metaverse and just have everyone going to Decentraland and stuff like, and you send everyone like an Oculus VR or some shit and then like, oh, just meet there. That oh no, so Rex, that's not a bad idea. Now you made me think maybe we should do something like that. <laughs> there, might, there might be potential, man, and you get everyone yeah. looking into the next generation of tech. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. a great idea. And, and for you yourself, what's your biggest challenge then as trying to balance, like, you know, traveling with the time zone? Because obviously, you mentioned just now you also did like 4 a.m. meetings and stuff, and obviously, that's not ideal, right? You want to try and minimize that. But has has work kind of how much has work almost like how much has has work deter you from certain travels that you want to make? Like for example, you want to go into so I I have been to places that are like remote whereby I just go off the grid for a long period of time, right? And I know that those are definitely not ideal, but I still try to do them. But obviously now whenever I move, I have this kind of consideration. And for you, is it the same or like you know it's mm -hmm. almost not affected? Um. I've been, I've gotten very used to this and um, this is how I want to live. So it's, it's on me to be honest. Um, and if I want to go off the grid, I can go off the grid. 
I can probably go off the grid now more than ever because I have because all of our people are getting smarter and the business doesn't need me to run for you know two to six weeks it'll be fine um longer term is 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 a different thing but also I don't want to kind of go off for that much longer uh just because I'm the business excites me it's very much a work life you talk about work-life balance it's more of a work-life blend for me because it just it the, the business is blended in into me uh there's it kind of all flows together with life uh and I, I truly genuinely truly uh enjoy it uh so yeah for me it's 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 I, I can i can do anything i can do whatever uh it's just up to me cool awesome yeah i definitely share the same sentiment because one of the things a lot of people like to ask, especially the not nomadic ones, they will be like, so how many hours do you work a day? And, and I always never have an answer to this because I'm like, it's the same to me. Like, like work and play and life is the same thing. Like I don't track how many hours I work a day because there's no segmentation. Whereas I do understand, especially during the pandemic, a lot of friends that were doing office hour, they were actually really stressed because they needed that, that office and home line segmentation separation right and when that line disappeared and when the home is work and stuff and they have to work like crazy hours because now the boss is thinking like i mean it's the pandemic where the hell are you going you can't go anywhere so you must be at home so you must be working you know and so many of them burn out because of that because it's just crazy like that that sudden tilt between the work-life balance for them is just hard to cope which is why i was saying just now about like if someone have not experienced remote work, it might hit them in a different way that they didn't expect. Yeah, and honestly, yeah, you can't blame them, right? Um, they've been told when to work for probably years. Um, coming into a remote company asking, so when do you want me to work? And hearing whenever you want <laughs> is, uh, is very, it's opposite. They, so that they need you can't blame them. They have had guidance in a certain way for so long uh, to shake that a little bit. Um, needs the right motivation. Uh, so it's not, it's not impossible. And uh, talent is out there. And if anyone's listening and you don't see a position posted on our website, just email me. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, we often customize positions. But the motivation has to be there. The motivation has to be, you have to be very clear on it. And uh, just because you've been told when to work all the time doesn't mean you can't shake it off and, and be productive. Yeah. So, so I assume for your company, a lot of people are really motivated by the freedom of or the flexibility of time, basically not even freedom, right? Even just being able to be flexible in like what time I can work, that drives them a lot to, to basically try and stay on and produce more results for the company. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I would definitely find that true okay cool cool let's end with some quick fire questions uh as a digital <laughs> nomad right as a remote let's worker okay one the, the first one is what's your favorite travel destination so far uh, <laughs> apples, and <laughs> apples and oranges apples and oranges you have I to love pick many. one you have to give answer <laughs> okay i let you do i, I have let to, you have two do I have to pick one you can pick two then <laughs> Apples and oranges. I like Medellin a lot. I love it. Um, I like Greece as a country as a whole. 
I love I love it so much. And I have a whole list of other ones because I just picked an apple and orange and I have to pick other fruits because they don't compare <laughs> very well and for their own reasons. But you've limited me, so let's go with that. I definitely get what you mean. I definitely get what you mean. It's very hard to, when people ask me this question, I, I always have to go around one circle to answer it. Uh, okay, what is three most useful thing in your travel bag apart from the phone and the laptop, obviously? Three most useful, uh, my Kindle. Uh, my Kindle for sure. Um, my headphones. Uh, I've got ones to listen to for calls, and I've got ones the big ones. The big ones help me focus. So those nice big big headphones. And the third, um, the third would be the third would be the absence of so much stuff. <laughs> <laughs> right, minimalism. Right. Yeah. How how much do you carry? It's just a backpack. Well, it's a backpack that I would have to check in. Right. The, the usual, and then mm -hmm. a day pack, yeah. I assume? Gotcha. And a day pack, yeah. And that I'm attaches to it. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Uh, your most important travel tip? For travelers or for nomad entrepreneurs? For travelers, I would say. For travelers? Yeah. Em embrace, embrace the serendipity. Embrace... The randomness of it all uh you can plan to an extent but embrace what happens go with the flow the, the uncertainty of it right it's interesting because the, the episode that i just uh recorded before this we were talking about how how travel has changed today and maybe the essence of travel throughout the years that have not changed is being able to embrace that uncertainty and that's actually that experience is actually the real travel. That means both the good and the bad of it, rather than oh, sure. visiting attractions, you know. And the last one is your most important remote work tip. So this is for your nomad entrepreneurs uh, and travelers. Yeah, remote work um, tip. And the most important remote work tip: um, remember what uh, remember what your remember what drives this. So like, if you if you're feeling not motivated to work for whatever reason we all go through it remember why remember what allows you to live this lifestyle which is the work you're doing so mm -hmm. yeah remember that awesome awesome and, and i want to add on to that because this this is interesting point that i spoke on another podcast that i was guesting on is that uh as a nomad entrepreneur try not to judge yourself too much when you have an unproductive day because there are always time whereby you feel like oh shit like you didn't get anything done both on the travel side or on the work side because you're trying to do both, right? Then you're like, I'm going to get my work done in like three, four hours and I'm going to visit like the, this attraction and I'm going to see friends. And then you're like, shit, the work didn't get done and then it propagates and then you're like, oh, fuck, the whole day is gone. Yeah. And then you, you, you feel really bad about yourself and stuff, right? But that actually happens to like everyone. So don't mm -hmm. judge yourself too much. Just, you know, go with the flow. There are days, we are all humans right so awesome for thank sure. you julio for coming on today a lot of very practical tips i think that will be good for both people who are trying to look for remote work as well as the nomadic entrepreneurs that are trying to scale or the management level that's trying to you know better run their teams that would be that's like awesome how can people find you basically to chat you up to look for jobs <laughs> or just to connect yeah it's just uh, julio ju lio at monetizemore.com um, or you can search uh, julio monzon m-o-n-z-o-n on linkedin uh, the 
the, my dad is the older looking one. Don't message him. Uh, message. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, you guys have the exact same name. Ah,、uh, the middle name is different, but on LinkedIn it looks the same. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> That's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, cool, cool. Thank you for coming on today. I will basically drop your link so you know people will not be like. Going crazy looking for the wrong people. I'll drop a link in the show notes or something. Yeah, so check if you are looking to connect with Fulio. Check out the show notes. All right, thanks. Thank you for listening to Chat with Nomads. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts, and be sure to share with your friends. Also, we'd love to know what topics you'd like to hear more about. To stay updated on the latest, join us on our mailing list at chatwithnomads.com. You can also find more travel and nomading tips at Nomads Unveiled. That's N O M A D S U N V E I L E D dot com. Start living your dreams today. We'll catch you in the next episode.